welcome to the Afterthoughts podcast. This is our recommend or review. That's right. Lee on that or. <laughs> so really emphasize it every single time. We will not you be have doing the choice. both. <laughs> not both. John. You must Wait, make a choice. <laughs> so first for refresh, this is the episode where we recommend or refute something we recently watched. And uh, joining me is our, our usual cast. I have Michael Dixon with us. What's up? Excited to hear what you guys watched this week. And uh, John Garcia. Hey, hey, I'm bringing the schlock again, baby. All right. <laughs> John, this is this actually, this podcast is an intervention. We've come here to <laughs> yeah. tell you about the ways that your schlock addiction has hurt us <laughs> as your friends. We've decided to refute everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually spending off the podcast to something I call after schlock. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually me just in, a, there's no microphone. I'm just in a dumpster yelling at people about movies they should watch. <laughs> I don't know. But you can say after, after Schlock is what you watch after the Schlock movie to come back to reality. <laughs> yes, it's a chaser, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you have to undo everything. All right, well, getting getting into it, getting into it. Uh, Dixon, what have you watched this week? Yeah, so I watched the big blockbuster movie that came out this week, uh, you know, Trying to mix things up instead of talking about a random independent film that I saw. I watched Spider-Man colon across the Spider-Verse. My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Oh yeah, you were supposed to be here. Fine. All right, whatever. Whatever? Wow. Whatever? Miles! Wanna get out of here? Oh! When? Wait a minute, there's an elite crew with all the best spider people in it? Right. What's a guy gotta do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. Can't stop me now! You can't run forever, kid! I can't lose one more friend. This isn't what we talked about! You knew? You had no idea what you're doing! All stations, stop Spider-Man! One of the, uh, you know weirdest grammatical uh titles but um yeah i was a big fan of spider hyphen man colon into the spider hyphen verse and uh decided to watch the sequel this week i rewatched into the spider verse a few days ago and i always kind of go back and forth like you know uh shocker to uh to you guys you're not going to believe this i'm not the biggest fan of superhero movies but i've always kind of gone back and forth on whether into the spider verse or batman begins is my favorite superhero movie i think those are kind of clearly the top two for me and i rewatched into the spider-verse and really enjoyed it i felt like on a rewatch i think i had seen it in theaters and maybe hadn't seen it since since it's been you know probably five years since i've seen it um i felt like the story was a little bit weaker um on on a rewatch and the visuals are so stunning and it moves so fast and it's so just electric that that it really gets you through the first watch. And then I feel like it's a little bit like slightly less rewatchable. Like I downgraded it like half a star on Letterboxd when I watched it this time. It's still excellent. It's very good. Um, across the Spider-Verse, I felt pretty similarly about, I think it's a, a hair worse than Into the Spider-Verse, but like still very, very good. Um, the animation is fucking stunning it it looks absolutely incredible it's moving a mile a minute um you know all kinds of stuff going on it does not have nicholas cage as noir spider-man which is very upsetting um uh, it doesn't have spider ham either 
which, uh, you know, so some, some of the most memorable side characters from the first one are not in this one. Um, it still focuses on Miles Morales, who is, you know, now kind of coming into his own in the first movie. You know, he's a teenager and he is still kind of trying to figure his shit out and he doesn't really know how to use his spider powers very well. In this movie, he's kind of really got it down. He's come into his own. He is, you know, holding down Brooklyn very well as, as uh, you know, the Spider-Man of, of his universe. But he's very lonely and, you know, he can't really tell anybody that he's Spider-Man. And he's just kind of like a mopey teenager who draws uh, Gwen a lot because he misses her from the first one. That's healthy. Um, That's healthy. Yeah, very, very, very healthy. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, kind of has these villains of the week that come by and, you know, he has to fight them off while making sure to go to school and, uh, uh, you know, please his parents and all these things. And I think one of the reasons that Spider-Man seems to resonate with people, you know, like, I'm always amazed at how much money these Spider-Man movies make, like not the good Spider-Verse ones, but like the shitty like Tom Holland ones actually, you know, they make fucking absurd amount, amounts of money. I, I think it's because the story is basically about puberty, you know, and it's like it's just like a relatable story about a teenager who is going through changes, who is having trouble communicating with his parents, <laughs> shooting goo all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about uh, the Tom Holland ones or the Tobey Maguire ones, because that <laughs> Sam Raimi is a little on the nose. Uh, I actually haven't seen any of the live action ones since the Tobey Maguire ones. Spider-Man 3 was so bad that I just like never, I never went back to uh, any of the live action ones since then. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the story of Miles is is compelling and, and it kind of drives the story. You also get more into Gwen's background. You spend some time in her universe and learn about her story a little bit. Um, Miles is kind of going throughout his life. He encounters this villain called The Spot, who he kind of blows off and thinks isn't that big a deal. Uh, and then turns out he becomes a big deal. And, and it, uh, you know, turns out there is this uh, you know, multiverse of spider people who are from all these different dimensions who are kind of coming together to try to fight Spot and, uh, you know, kind of keep him from destroying the multiverse. Basically, his superpower is that he has like wormholes on his body and he can, uh, you know, like reach through different places in the same universe through like portals or he can move to different universes um, through those portals. But, um, Basically, like, it's it's very similar to Into the Spider-Verse. You know, there's a lot of random Spider-Men from different universes coming in, some of which are interesting and some of which are less so. Um, Oscar Isaac plays kind of the head Spider-Man who is kind of running this group of, uh, you know, multiverse-traveling Spider-People and sending them on missions to make sure that the multiverse stays stable. Um it's a little bit too meta for my taste. Um, you know, John, you were talking about in our Tropic Thunder episode how you really like meta movies. It it can be a little bit much for me. It depends. Like sometimes I think it works really well, and sometimes I think getting too meta feels like the movie crawling up its own asshole a little bit. And in this case, it's really flirting with that line. Like it didn't bother me too much, but like they talk about canon and different things like that, which like makes me kind of roll my eyes. Um but at, like at the end of the day, this is a movie that looks incredible. I saw it in IMAX and I was just there for it the whole time, you know, ready to to get into everything that was going on. And um, really, the, the main kind of criticism I had of it is that it just kind of ends 
like it's just the setup for the third movie. Like they basically, you know, wrote one script that was too long and had to cut it in half. And the movie just kind of ends in a unsatisfactory point. And I was like, well, all right, I guess I'll watch the next one. I was going to do that anyway, but um, you know, I guess I got to watch the next one now to see where this goes. But um, overall, it's a hell of a ride. It's really fun. It's so much more creative and visually stimulating than any mass-produced movie that is is coming out right now, aside from like John Wick, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I had a really good time with it. Thought it was a fun watch. I'm sure that that both of you guys will probably go see it. But uh, yeah, would recommend Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I when we went to to see Fast. Uh, 10 Fast mm-hmm. X, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, which by the way, I thought that was your favorite superhero movie, but the fast series contained that. Uh, you did yeah. not mention. I did. I mean, like, uh, I guess <laughs> let me call it like comic book movie. The best superhero movie is oh, okay. either fast five or furious seven. <laughs> yes. They're both very good. Of course. Um, um but, but yeah, yeah. When we went to see fast X, we saw the trailer for, uh, is it it's not a, it's across the spider spiders it's not into yeah Those i was names very are too, skeptical about the yeah. trailer just um, every time i've seen the trailer i've been like you're giving away all the good shit you're giving away like gags yeah. you're giving away fun whatever you want to do it just seems like too much also the stuff they do in the trailer is like eye-rollingly meta and stupid you know it's like the parts where they do the Spider-Man pointing meme where there's like a million Spider-Men all pointing Get at that each Spider-Man, other. Spider-Man. And they're and I'm like, just like you? oh my God, are yeah. you serious? Like, yeah, I was worried when I saw the trailer. Um, it's much yeah. better than the trailer. The trailer is bad. Like, it's just a poorly cut trailer that is just trying to throw out cultural references. Yep. And it, yeah, it's not representative of what the movie is actually like to watch. Well, good. So That's weird, good weird aside on that. Cause yeah, yeah it's good to, to stop and talk about that trailer because it does also bring up the like balance that you mentioned of trying to reference a bunch of stuff and pull a bunch of things in Yep. that only some diehard comic fans know. And that is exactly what that trailer was. Yes. I paused it multiple times to see things in that trailer and I'm sure other people did too, <laughs> but to pull in like to, pull the Michael Dixon in to come watch it, not the parent who's just dragging their kids to every movie they can possibly uh-huh. watch with the whole family. Um, or comic book fans. Like, it's weird to make that try to appeal so much to an audience that's already fucking going. Yeah, right. Already, yeah. yeah. Um, Unless it's trying to, like, hype, choice. to, like, create, like, big, big hype. Like, they know those are the people that'll talk about it. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Like, really, the, like, if I had seen that trailer and I didn't like it it wasn't a sequel to a movie that i already really liked i would have been like nope that looks terrible i'm not going yeah. to see that but because i liked into the spider-verse so much i was like yeah I'm, I'm gonna go see this even though the trailer looks terrible to just give them the benefit of the doubt and and see where this goes like if anything it should be visually stimulating and and you know that should be enough to at least give me something to take away from it yeah and to that degree too like even if it was because that crowd is the crowd that's going to generate the most hype and you're going to see something about it. Um, considering we just talked about how Tropic Thunder is a movie that we all have collectively not watched in a long time because there's kind of that factor of you saw it, it was good enough in theaters. Then after that, it became ubiquitous and everybody just quoted it to, to death. Like somebody telling me, oh man, I'm going to watch that new Spider-Verse movie 
it's so funny. Like I can imagine myself at like a family retreat or something. And I'm like, uh-huh. And they're like, oh, that one scene. See, they have all these Spider-Mans and they, they're like, get Spider-Man. And they're all like, you, you, you. And I'm like, I would just be like, I'm fucking out. Like yeah, immediately. Uh... I do not give a shit about what you're saying to me. I'll like let you finish because I'm drunk enough, but like go on. Uh, and then I'll just not go see it. But because I watched into the Spider-Verse, I was like curious no matter what. Got to be a visual feast at least. There's something here. Um, I'm glad to hear that it's more than the trailer made it. Uh, that's that's great. Yeah, definitely. I was very uh, pleasantly surprised by it. And it was getting, I saw it on Sunday and it was getting great reviews uh, when it, you know, so I was like, okay, like the trailer sucked, but I was going to go see it anyway and it's getting good reviews. Like I'll, I'll go give it a shot here. And yeah, definitely, definitely glad I did. Um, you know, so some of the new characters that are, are fun, um, Issa Rae plays like a, a pregnant spider woman who still kicks ass despite uh, being pregnant, which is cool. Um, Daniel Kaluuya plays like a British punk rock Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, who's pretty awesome. And like, so th- there's some good side characters in this one, but I did, I did really miss noir Spider-Man. I know you miss Nick Cage. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be back in the third one or the part two or whatever, I'm sure. It actually... It does look like he may be back in the third one. Oh, so. yeah. Ooh. They're going to get everybody together mm-hmm. for the end game of the Spider-Verse. I hope there's no more after it. <laughs> my my mind is blown that fucking Polka Dot Man and The Spot and Kite Man are in things now. <laughs> are, there, are there all like, are those the D-list villains of, of comic books? I, I was like... I super fucking love the spot because when I, when I was a kid, I bought comics, but I bought what I could get. Like oh, it was yeah. just, I had some free pocket change and I got something cause I had it. And the, the spectacular Spider-Man that had the spot, I just fucking love the cover on it. And I read that thing a million times for that stupid character who, who like at the time, like disappeared for a while and he's come back in comics like a little bit since then, but just the comic cover of like all these different, holes with the spots hands like coming out and punching spider-man there's nothing mm. you can do about it it's so stupid <laughs> and then even at the time i knew it was stupid but it just captured my attention it makes for some good visual gags in, in the movie yeah um yeah also uh brian tyree henry is very good as spider-man's father like i, I think brian tyree henry is always That's really great, great in, in everything um and he, he's very good in this one thing that I thought was hilarious is that in the first movie, he was credited as Jefferson Davis. And I was like, um, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, you named this character after the Confederate president? And also his son's name is Miles Morales. So I don't know what the hell you're doing with that. And then in this, in Across the Spider-Verse, he's credited as Jeff Morales. So I don't know what the fuck they're doing with that character's name, but yeah. like he's a well-written character and Brian Tyree Henry plays him very well, but I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's weird. I don't even know. Ryan, do you have comic book context on that? I mean, that is his character name in the comics. He is Jefferson, <laughs> Jefferson It's Jefferson Davis? Yeah. Wow. They just had to change it for this one. He just gave his son his wife's name? They knew you would catch on. <laughs> I try and remember if... I wasn't as into the, what was that, whatever that fucking Ultimate Universe was. I only got into Miles Morales later when he became interesting, <laughs> separate from that universe. So I don't, I don't remember what all the deals are with his parentage. Yeah. yeah. Well, 
Was there anything else that kind of caught you off guard that you didn't expect the movie to explore beyond? Because to me, it looks like a, it's it's good enough. Like the moment I saw the trailer, I thought the trailer was bad, but I was also like, the movie's probably going to be good, but not as great as the first one was kind of thing. But was there anything that you yeah. were surprised by? Um, not really. I think I just, I, I guess I was just surprised because the trailer was so bad that I liked it as much as I did. But it, it wasn't as good as the first one, but it was close. And I think that's that's pretty good for the sequel to pull off. Um, you know, again, I thought it was a little too meta and a little up its own ass to some degree, but it does it does a good job with Miles as a character and kind of developing his story and, and moving him forward. And like that, that does a lot for the movie, right? So, I mean, over, overall, I definitely recommend it. it it's, but it's also something that like, I had a great time watching it in IMAX. I prob I don't know that I'll watch it again, but it was a really good time to watch it one time and just see the incredible visuals. And, you know, maybe I'll watch it again as a refresh before the next one comes out. But, um, you know, probably like the end of the Spider-Verse, I'll definitely go back to again. I don't know if I will with Across the Spider-Verse, but that doesn't mean that it's not 100% worth going to see. And it's just a very good time at the theater. The, the in-universe answer is that he was named Jefferson Davis, and he thought that was some bullshit, so when he had the opportunity, he changed his name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Morales? So oh, that's, nice. That's, yeah, he purposely took on Morales and didn't want it. Yeah, so he could be like, that's yeah, kind of that nice. I like that as yeah. a subversion of yeah. him just being like, man, fuck this name. Jeff I wish Morales. they had actually said that in the movie instead of just changing his name in the credits of the first movie to the second <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah, a little line uh, of dialogue of like, "I'm glad I was able to take your last name to his his wife or whatever." Yeah, something. Well, oh well. Um, cool. Well, uh, I bet you're just dying to know what I'm bringing. What schlock did you watch this week, John? What are you punishing us uh, with? Well, I watched a 1988 Spanish horror film called Don't Panic. <laughs> Promise never to play with the Ouija board again. Oh, oh my God. guys, maybe he's right. We shouldn't play this game. Yesterday night, Debbie White, a high school student, was murdered in her own home. The murder was committed between midnight and one o'clock in the morning. Her body was stabbed 13 times. I'm not crazy! You're gonna tell me how the fuck do you knew someone was gonna kill Chris? Open the door, Michael! Michael! Officer, you gotta help me! They're trying to kill someone in the lab! Central, I've got our man. I'm at checkpoint two. I had a vision, man. That's what I tried to warn you about. I tried to help her. Who the fuck is gonna save you now? Uh, and this is like from Spain? It's, it's not from spain but it was done by like a spanish director in mexico um, okay and uh it, it was uh ruben galindo jr is the uh director it's basically the proto malignant um if i had to say it was something <laughs> like that uh it's kind of fascinating so um the premise is on uh his 17th birthday this uh, boy, Michael, is surprised by his friends in Mexico City. He's moved there from America. Um, everybody in this cast, by the way, uh, clearly speaks Spanish and as their, their native and primary language and is doing like an English accent to ADR it, um, in my opinion, anyway, because it's, at some points, like the accent just breaks through hard. 
but uh michael on his 17th birthday his his friends break into his house to surprise him by playing with a ouija board um or a spirit board whatever you want to call it uh and they accidentally summon a demon that possesses one of the friends and starts murdering people close to him and the real gimmick here is that uh anytime somebody's about to be murdered michael gets the vision of the murderer like he can see what they're going to do and they're going to you know stock up on this person and so there are scenes that are meant to be horrifying that are actively comical because you have somebody who's supposed to be 17 and wears like children's pajamas yeah. that have like dinosaurs on them <laughs> um who is frantically running through the streets of Mexico City blind because he can only see through the killer's eyes and so he's like just brailing his way <laughs> to try to save somebody like feeling anything near him uh and the actor clearly is trying to like really push that to the limit. It doesn't seem like a realistic, I'm feeling my way. They always seem to know exactly which direction they're going. And the whole film is around him trying to figure out which of my friends is the killer. So it's got this giallo aspect to it. Um, and at some point that's like revealed and becomes more of like a, okay, now it's just the supernatural aspect you're latching onto. It's weird because it was marketed as being a Nightmare on Elm Street competitor. So there's this whole aspect of mm -hmm. it being like, oh, it's like a bonkers version of Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy is technically like more of a demon that possesses people and does these things with them. Um, I enjoyed it. I had a really good time with it. I watched it with a group of friends who uh, we, we just sat through and everybody was really engaged. I think afterwards, the consensus was it was good for like one watch. Uh, people <laughs> would not go yeah. back to it. But it was interesting enough and it had a lot of weird. It also has one of the worst outrage scenes. You know, you think of like Citizen Kane um, or uh, what, like Apocalypse Now, which I still haven't seen, but I know that sequence where you know, somebody breaks down and they're like fucking trash. John, in the just room. go fucking watch Apocalypse Now. Just uh, maybe get out I of here. will. I watched Tropic Thunder without <laughs> watching it. It was a waste, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, like this sequence, uh, there's like a whole scene where the main character, his mom is convinced that he's crazy. She's not willing to believe that he's seeing through the eyes of a murderer, even though his friends are dying one by one. And uh, he just has a whole freak out in his room where the most damage he does is he throws a laundry basket at like a Playboy poster and he knocks a bunch of pencils on the ground and they play it up as being like the most epic i'm angry scene Ugh. he tears a bunch of car posters in half and that's like it, it sounds like the room yeah it's yeah, basically yeah. it's way more towards the room Ugh. i would say it's even more pathetic than the room sequence oh wow that's saying a lot John. uh yeah it is and it, it's just like and he does it in his dinosaur pajamas <laughs> it's like even funnier it's way less like grounded oh my god um does he say you're tearing me apart he might might as well, he's no, but he says, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> and he says it in like a written, stimpy kind of voice. You're fat, bloated, stupid, idiot. <laughs> it's, it's like absurd. Um, yeah, like uh, the death sequences are really creative. There's a lot of interesting horror elements to it. None of it is particularly scary but I was still compelled by it. I found it really interesting and my friends did as well, even though they're not big on watching those kinds of movies. Uh, this was definitely one that like, I brought a few other Blu-rays, but none of them seemed to work when we were trying to watch them. So they were like, fuck it, we'll just watch whatever this is. And it worked. Um, 
they had a good time. And the day after they were talking about it and they were still like reflecting on different scenes. And I was also able to get in on that. Um, so it, it had a lasting effect, I would say. And just interesting. Like they had cool prosthetics at times. They had unbelievable, not unbelievable as like the, wow, I can't believe they did that. But like that, that not, that doesn't look real at all kind of prosthetics. Yeah. Um, but they tried and some of the sequences are really good. Uh, I, I enjoyed mostly the main character acting like he was blind and running through different places, feeling everything. It was comical in its own way and uh, entertaining. But um, yeah, none of it's scary at all. We're uh, talking so. more or less realistic than Ben Stiller's blown up hands in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> We're talking a little more aiming to be a little more realistic than that, but still coming off as like a little too like corn syrupy. To, it's just corn syrup, blood flavored corn syrup kind of uh, <laughs> <laughs> practical effects. Um, yeah, like the main friend that is possessed, uh, when you actually get to see him, he just looks like a dude that has a little bit too much makeup on his face. And that's how they distinguish he's possessed by a demon. Sure. Yep. Um, mm, why, okay. why wouldn't you? They had some squibs, like some people get shot and they explode. And I was like, that's impressive. It's good that you were able to get squibs at least to do this. Um, and there's some other, uh, like, I can't even remember some of the other scenes. I just remember the main character runs through a hospital trying to save a person and he runs into a guy and the guy's like, hold on, what's going on here? And at this point he slips into like full Ren from Ren and Stimpy. And he's like, you have to help Christy. She's in danger. And then he immediately slips back into like his American accent where he's like, she's going to be murdered. <laughs> like what the fuck just happened? Um, and then he starts feeling his way up the stairs. <laughs> this like super goofy shit. So, uh, yeah, don't panic. It also has a killer theme song, which just sing it. Don't it, oh. it's like, don't panic. That's like all it does. <laughs> and, and then it, it recites the plot to you. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, that's one of those. <laughs> okay. Can we get yeah. the rights to that one too? I'll see. Yeah. Better or worse than death promise. It's just as catchy as death promise. Wow. Actually, I would say Ooh. it's on that. It's all on right. par. It's pretty good. Okay. I, I would say at least don't panic is a really solid hook for it. I don't know about anything else. So, uh, it, it was fun. If you're going to watch, uh, okay. I would recommend this movie. First of all, um, just because now the like qualifiers are coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would recommend it. seems like a great time. If you have a choice between watching this and malignant. I would recommend watching this over malignant because malignant is, what, what was oh, it, man. Ryan? Is it like oh, two man. hours of setup for like 15 for, to 20 for, minutes of payoff? Of amazing payoff. Uh, and then characters say shit that just, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe that you wouldn't do like vodka and do a Ouija board game on your birthday night. That's like a tradition. I'm like, this is shit like that where you're like, that doesn't make, I don't know why that's a thing. Um, so it, that over malignant sort of, it's a Hollywoodized version of this is what I would call it. Um, I don't know. I found it more interesting, more engaging, more creative, and I liked it uh, overall. My friends seem to be okay with it, so I would recommend it. <laughs> okay. Your friends did not hate it. That's right. They didn't hate it, and they didn't ask John, why did you show us that? They just said, wow, that was a real movie. Like, that was something that yeah. happens. <laughs> this is from your Vinegar Syndrome subscription, I assume? Um, it, yeah, it is. It is indeed. Um, someday I will bring another movie that, well, I brought knocking, knocking wasn't from vinegar syndrome. It was just yeah. facilitated by them, but. Oh, so it was from them. It was from <laughs> their partner label. I'll say that. Uh, tomato, tomato, John. 
Hey, you bought a Claire Denis film from them. I'll just say that. I did. If, if you're applying that same logic. Yet, <laughs> I'll buy a Claire Denis film, whoever puts it out. <laughs> there we go. I'll, uh, I'll email the Don't Panic song producers and see if they'll actually email me back. I'm looking yeah. at you. Get yeah, are we going to get that? As, <laughs> I don't know when we would our use new, that song, but it'd be song. great. If we owned it, we'd use it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Again, we don't need to email the death promise people and get their permission. Just use it. They don't. Yeah. At most, they're, at, they're... at most, we get sued. What are we gonna have to pay? Ten dollars? Then we know who it is. Yeah. It's just a lawsuit, Michael. What could it cost? Ten dollars? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. They're they're probably less litigious than Scientology. So. <laughs> um, cool. I I'll I have a movie to talk about, but I'm taking momentary aside to mention. Uh, movie going experience uh i didn't go see a movie but i have the experience of movie going experience getting what? back into theaters <laughs> it's interesting like dealing with having the crowds and having all of that and only the fact that i only go to like five movies a year or whatever it gets frustrating sometimes dealing with the crowd luckily by me no one appears to go to any movies even like opening weekends the area i'm in no one's there uh but we were in vegas and went That's and saw sad. cirque du soleil show <laughs> Yeah, we saw a Cirque du Soleil show, and I immediately told my children before it even started, I was like, look, don't ask what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Nobody here knows what's going on. <laughs> Just watch it and experience it. Don't ask. But the guy behind me who brought his far too young for a Cirque du Soleil show did not have that conversation. And this kid, like, I was trying so hard to not just turn around and be like, look, Tell him to shut up. <laughs> I can't take it because it was just God. a constant like, yes, who is that? Why are they doing that? Whatever, like, like just constantly. And, and I was like, and he, they're fucking acrobats. They're doing flips yes, and shit. Just watch it. <laughs> what did my father yeah. regress to a younger age and join you in the movie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, but it, it 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 just yeah it it ruined it. Almost nearly ruined it. Um. So, yeah, luckily no one was doing that at the Katy Perry show. I guess it wasn't as confusing for that audience. <laughs> um, who is that? So, would I, would I, yeah, they don't even know who she is. That'd be great. <laughs> um, what I do want to talk about is I, I, I watched Milk, 2008 Milk, about Harvey Milk starring Sean Penn. My name is Harvey Milk, and I'm here to recruit you. If homosexuals are allowed their civil rights, then so would prostitutes or thieves or anyone else. Forty years old, and I haven't done a thing. I'm not going to be forced out of San Francisco by social deviants and incorrigibles. We need one of our own in office. We could have a revolution here. I don't do losing. There she is, our new campaign manager. You all scared of girls. Oh! You'll be the first openly gay man elected to major office. I think you're part of the machine now. Society can't exist without the family. We're not against that. Can two men reproduce? No, but God knows we keep trying. <laughs> if these people are going to live a life of such open homosexuality, they are going to be removed from their jobs. We're going to beat this thing. We need everyone. We lose this. We'll have anti-gay laws in all 50 states. Uh, I picked it as a timely movie for this month. Uh, also came out the same year as Tropic Thunder and uh, was Sean Penn figuring out what to go full whatever to get an Oscar. <laughs> um, 
uh, which this, you know, it feels like honestly does feel a bit of an Oscar bait kind of movie. Like it definitely fits that formula, but I, I, I recommend it. Um, Gus Van Zandt's a thing. Well, we talk separately about when Gus Van Zandt works and when he doesn't. I think it's fine here. Um, but Sean Penn's performance of Harvey Milk is amazing. Like that really, really carries it through. I think also kind of getting the right feel for the movement, some of the people that are in it, the events around Milk's assassination um, is very timely still. It's very much a similar time, I feel like, right now to what was going on um, that that led to Harvey Milk becoming the first openly gay politician. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, the other parts of the movie that I'm kind of like, ah, the side characters who are real people don't really get any time. It, it is all so directly on Milk. It also really just focuses on it sort of as this movement and a few specifics, but not really any of the other victories or other things that Milk did. Uh, I kind of, the movie doesn't necessarily have time for those. Um, mm-hmm. So th- those are the only like kind of knocks, but it is still comes out as like such an excellent movie. I feel like it, it, to me, the quality of an art piece is pulling out emotion from someone, like getting something that sticks with you afterwards, whatever the emotion is, whether that's what they want from you or not. Um, that's what makes it art. And this definitely, I feel like pulls all those right things to get what it wants to get across, represent milk properly, um, represent the movement. Uh, and yeah, I was definitely like gripped and stunned and it is really carried by Sean Penn, who again, I'm like another person where I'm like hit or miss with Sean Penn. Sometimes he does put himself fully into a character and it's amazing. And sometimes he puts himself fully in a character and it's not amazing it's the other way around um this is one of those where he he nails it like he nails the performance and it it's really excellent josh brolin also um is in it and he ended up getting nominated for his role um it's more subtle as a character but good i did feel like brolin kind of got got across some some pretty interesting things when you kind of like think about it and try to get what the character is for um, someone who his defense uh, is the the Twinkie defense or whatever that that has been <laughs> lampooned and maybe misunderstood that his argument for why he wasn't guilty of assassination, guilty of murder, was that he was eating uh, too many junk food and it screwed with him. Is the story that you still hear, but in reality, is more of like he had a breakdown, and among many things. And him eating Twinkies was supposedly proof from his defense that he had a mental breakdown, and that's why it excused his be murdered. No sane person um, would ever, would ever eat yeah, Twinkies. Would ever eat Twinkies, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, that that they don't get into that in the movie, like which I appreciate. It, but his like potential breakdown and the the why things unravel for him isn't there as much because this is like so focused on just specifically milk but i feel like that it's done so well and he's represented so well that it's worth it as the way to the movie and then kind of leaves you with hey go explore these other tangents learn learn more about these other people and and the other things and the events Mm. um so it's a it's a very heavy recommend like i really really did enjoy i had not watched it before 
Um, I really did enjoy it. And there were aspects of it that I didn't know the history of that I also think were, were really good. Yeah, that sounds like a uh, opposite to, for some reason, when I think about, because I haven't seen Milk. I, I have not seen it. I know that it had some Academy buzz around it. I never really stopped to really watch it. But it sounds like uh, something that I would genuinely engage with from a biographical standpoint. It sounds really respectful in how it represents its material. It doesn't sound like something that is, uh, while it has politics behind it and it has sort of a story to tell around it, it doesn't sound like something like the trial of the Chicago seven, where it's more of like a mouthpiece for a writer to do something. It sounds like uh, an actual experience you can connect with like a, these are human beings that did these things. And here's this kind of story that happened with it. And it can get you engaged and interested to actually dig back into what it was about. Yeah. Van, so Van Zandt's interesting. Um, <laughs> and I think, I think the way he thinks about things, which are a little too on the nose, actually play well to a, a, a period piece historical movie like this. Mm. Because from a filming perspective, they film in San Francisco. They film in the market district. They actually film in the actual storefront that was Milk's camera storefront. They redid it to look like that. They actually film in the apartment building that was Milk's apartment. Oh wow! Right, yeah. they're Going actually the at the yeah at the cat at the city capital. Um, so and not only that, they have some cameos from some of the people who are involved in around the events at the time, and had them on set, or even had the characters get to talk and meet with the people that they were representing. Um, and they went for like a hundred percent, like at the end, they kind of like take a photo, they do the transition from like the actor to the photo and they just literally nailed it. Like, that's what they went for. Nice. was like, how can we get everything? The same shirt, the same color, the same glasses, get their hair to look exact. Like we want people that are exactly that person. Mm. Um, and it works. I'll say it works for this. And that is a good way to be as representational of the reality as possible. Um, so that that I think works in its favor. Yeah, that's interesting. I I'm always skeptical of these types of Oscar bait biopics that come out every November, you know, that are just like just trying to get awards and feel very empty and formulaic, you know, but they always get the same types of people to get really excited about them and, you know, They'll make their budget back and they'll get nominated for a bunch of awards. And typically I, I tend to shy away from those types of things. Sometimes I sometimes I'll like them, but um this sounds from what you're describing a lot more interesting to me. Um and I've I've never watched this movie because I just assumed it was that kind of a thing. But um yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested to to check it out now. It sounds like you know, and I do like the thing you're talking about where they show the real person. I always kind of roll my eyes at that. Like, you know, the credits being like, oh, here's the real guy and here's here's the actor. Here's how you know, close that, we got the casting. Yeah, that always kind of bothers me. But um, it does sound like a really interesting story that is worth telling that, um, you know, kind of has more to say than your traditional biopic, at least from from what you're describing. That That's what that sounds like to me. So um I, I definitely want to check this out at some point i've seen some of gus van zandt's work I've, i haven't seen um most of it but he made a like a small independent movie 
with Joaquin Phoenix and Jonah Hill a few years ago called Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot that I really enjoyed. And um, I know that like he made that Psycho remake and stuff that you know people don't mm. like and, and haven't <laughs> gone over well. But I do, I mean, I'm interested to, you know, kind of see more of his work because I really did like um, that, that movie from a few years ago. In comparing it, though, you, you brought up the Psycho movie. Um, I did. <laughs> the, I the haven't seen it. This... I don't plan on it. Oh, um, okay. But, don't, yeah. don't. The problem is he makes the Psycho movie. Like, that's right. it. He brings yeah. absolutely nothing else to it. And he is so perfectly recapturing exactly it other than it being in color. There's nothing that's changed. Which seems like that would just make it worse. It does. It absolutely does. Like, why would you want to make that movie in color? Right, because then it's like, okay, well, he's just copying the shots, right? So there's he's not adding anything as a director, Mm -hmm. right? They film it exactly the same way, so there's no new set, cinematography, decisions, anything. The lines are the same. The actors, they get as close as they can, right? So weirdly, I do think that works for a biopic. (laughs) <laughs> for a certain type of biopic, degree, it, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. depends on. That. In this, I I do appreciate this is typically I kind of think when I see those Beatty ones, what often concerns me is they can they will fail to represent certain things, or they want to lean yep. so heavy to be like, oh, this is this great story or great person or whatever that I want to tell that I'll ignore some things I really should mention, or they kind of like combine some characters into something to make it a little bit better. There really wasn't anything here where I'm like that looking at it there's like oh well that person was actually these two separate people or they didn't even exist or whatever um it pretty much stays right on the nose i'm looking at like the woman king as an example of like we just sort of ignore some history so we can just give you the good part and act sure like yeah they're only good guys and i'm like that's a great movie but it is like not a historical movie per se right to the side mm-hmm. uh on the far side of it, like doing something interesting and not doing it the last king of scotland is an excellent biopic that gives you absolutely everything and completely makes up shit. <laughs> but <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, uh, it is amazing. That's like one of the like my best. Like that's an amazing biopic that is doing something interesting in giving you everything you need to know. I want to do an episode on biopics because there's so much in terms of how biopics are done that uh, I just don't think that people think about it regularly. Like don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not a huge fan of them. I love trashy ones. Why not? I'm a schlock guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy watching Ashton Kutcher try to be Steve Jobs. That's funny to me. Um, but, I got but, everything I needed from the trailer of that. It's like, <laughs> I'm not watching that movie. I've seen that movie like five times. <laughs> John, it never again, gets old. What is wrong with you? It this is an intervention. <laughs> you're, you're destroying your soul bit by bit. I find it fun to watch that kind of movie because five times <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good and how not great it is. Uh, and then you go watch like the Fassbender one and it's so much that better. That was not great either. It's but not great, but it's so much it's better actually in terms so, yeah. of what it tries to do. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I, I remember one moment from that trailer that I will will forever be etched in my mind where uh like i always hate in biopics where they have the here's how we came up with the name for the thing scenes yeah yeah and he's like you know it's ashton kutcher like sitting in the back of a car you know if we're gonna do this thing we need to come up with a name something yeah, i know something catchy something i've been thinking about it talking to whoever the fuck plays wozniak electric this needs to be like i don't know yeah, what about enterprise computers no 
and they're like, how do we, Josh what Gad. would we even call this, this company? And Kutcher's like, Apple. Excuse me? Apple, like the fruit? What about Apple? Like, oh my God. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. What is this? There's a great, you might hate that whole movie, but there's a gif I'll send you that I think you'd love where uh, <laughs> this is way tangential, but it's when Steve Jobs is like denying that his uh, love child is going to be born or whatever. And his, his lover is like, it's your baby. And he just says, Kutcher says right into the camera. He's like, I'm sorry, you have a problem. But it's not happening to me. And I'm like, wow. that's a that's a fantastic meme, and that's a terrible person. <laughs> but like, I fucking send that gif on the regular to people who send me <laughs> emails about shit I should do. I'm like, fuck it, sorry that you have a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, the rest of that movie is fucking trash. But uh, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I just I gravitate towards trash, man. You know me, I, the human trash panda. Yeah, we know, we know <laughs> all too well. <laughs> Uh, I gotta cover. I gotta cover what y'all won't. Obviously, that's. I guess I do. I don't know. Whatever fig leaf excuse you need, John. <laughs> it's a civic duty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do want to see milk. It does sound. Um, it doesn't sound like my usual biopic trash that I would. But let, let me draw the line here. I've never seen Green Book. Okay, and I won't watch it. It's very bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, one of the other things that's held me back from watching Milk is that, like, I feel like I've very rarely actually seen a good Sean Penn performance. Like aside from tree of life, I was going to say that <laughs> I don't know if I can rem like even put my finger on a single good Sean Penn performance that I've seen. And well, I, fast I know it's at Ridgemont high. I oh, haven't yeah. seen that actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, a, I'm not sure if that's disappearing into a character or what Sean Penn was like before yeah. he got into acting. <laughs> Jeff Bridges of high school dramas. <laughs> <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, yeah like, I mean, obviously, I know that he has done roles that have got him a lot of acclaim, and I thought he was good enough in Tree of Life because he didn't really have to say that much, right? He was just kind of there, and like the Malik is doing his own thing with kind of having him in the frame. But he's just done so much bad work over the last like decade that it's just made me not want to like go back and discover his earlier career. It's a matter, Dixon. You didn't like I am Sam. <laughs> uh, gave it his all. <laughs> he did. He did. He gave it his all. Um, all right. Well, that that brings us full circle. <laughs> to, a, to a wrap. Uh, so it sounds like we had recommends all around. John, there's a questionable recommend. Hey, mine's a recommend. Uh, yeah. So Dixon says, uh, "Good. Maybe not as good as Into the." Spider -verse, Spider Verse, but, but Spider, Spider Colin, Spider Colin, Spider hyphen man Spider colon across man the Spider colon man across the verse. Yeah, you can't change one word in your title for the sequel. I don't think. I think that's too unless you're just sticking a number at the end. So it's at the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah. At the end of the movie, I I waited till the end of the credits because the first movie had a post credit sequence that I didn't realize until I was watching it again at home the other day and went to the bathroom when the credits played and came back and I was like, oh, there was a post-credit sequence and I never knew that. Is that when Gwen calls him or whatever? No, they introduced Oscar Isaac's no, character. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the first one. Yeah. I had no idea that they did that. And then uh, 
you know, so I sat around through all the fucking credits of Across the Spider-Verse, and at the end, there's no post-credit sequence, but it just says, Miles Morales will return in Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. Charles oh, Bronson God. will return as they Miles really, yeah. Morales in. <laughs> I, I thought it was like a James Bond uh, spoof they were going for there, but yeah. Wow, um, okay. So again, they're just changing that word. That's it. Okay. It's every movie. It's just into, just across, and beyond. Those are the three movies. Yeah. Spider-Man, right. This is like home, the fucking, homecoming. yes, this is like the Far From Home Homecoming yeah. bullshit where I can't mm-hmm. tell what order which one was in. No Way Home. Yeah, All right. that was it. Yeah. There you go. Okay, anyway. I guess Names are stupid. <laughs> Studio <laughs> names are stupid. John uh, gave us a recommend on Don't Panic, worth right. a, a watch. Yes, Don't worth a panic. watch. Yeah. Yes, and I, I highly promise. recommend Milk. Death, Death promise. promise. Don't panic. <laughs> it's the same key. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, they're the same key and the same beat. Can That's probably why I like other? the theme song. <laughs> I'm going to blow your mind. <laughs> yeah. And right. uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll call this we'll call this before we go too far on too many new tangents. Uh, and Ryan again, I, recommended Milk. Yeah. Yes, and I rec- highly recommend Milk. <laughs> yeah. So I am. I've been your host, Ryan King. With me, uh, John Garcia. Everybody, D- don't panic. All right, it's just luck. Just luck. Don't panic. Watch it. <laughs> he's, he's gonna go curl back into his trash can. <laughs> and also, we have Michael Dixon. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.